This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish Stripes podcast channel. I'm Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes, where we cover your Miami Marlins every day in our own way. Be sure to subscribe to Fish Stripes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and review wherever applicable. We appreciate the feedback. Follow us on social media, most prominently on Twitter, but also Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, and YouTube. We're excited about how we're growing that YouTube channel. So quick subscription over there. Turn on notifications to stay in the loop on all we're doing to cover this Marlins team. And of course, the mothership for all of our content, fishstripes.com. Bookmark it. Check back frequently to stay in the loop with all of our news, analysis, opinion, prospects, coverage, historical lookbacks, we have everything there at fishstripes.com that a Marlins fan could ever want, even on an off day. This is dropping on a rare Marlins off day, and this will be perhaps the only episode of the official show all season long that does not discuss the 2022 Marlins, and I'll explain why on the other side of the break. Stick with me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This weekend at Lone Depot Park, it is the 25th anniversary celebration of the 1997 World Series champion Florida Marlins, the first title in franchise history, one that took a lot of people by surprise and was historic for a number of reasons. For those of us who were a little too young to have vivid memories of that championship season, or for those who aren't or weren't based in South Florida during that entire season... For those of us that fall into both of those buckets, like myself, I thought it'd be a good idea to get perspectives of people that were there, that were at Pro Player Stadium for the most critical moments of that run, and were in the community to understand exactly what it meant for that young Marlins fan base at the time to have the ultimate achievement in 1997. I was able to hook up with a couple great interview subjects to get their perspective on how that season went. So we're keeping it positive going through from start to finish that incredible 1997 Marlins season. Remember at Lone Depot Park, Friday through Sunday, they have a lot of festivities going on. About half of that team has come back. They're going to be doing an alumni softball game. The fans that come out on Saturday are going to receive replica World Series rings. If you're 
ages 14 and younger. So it should be a good time this weekend, starting off the longest homestand of this 2022 Marlins season. Let's let's turn back the clock a quarter century and go through exactly what made that 1997 season so special. Enjoy. Here on the official show, a special edition where we get to completely ignore the 2022 Marlins and, and focus on better times heading into the 25th anniversary weekend of the 1997 season. I had this idea to reach out to fans that were there in 1997, not just alive, but, you know, experienced enough and aware enough to fully ingest what was going on that year. And of course, to bring us back to that moment, to that special season, the first World Series championship in Marlins history. I poked around to a few different people, and courtesy of our staffer, Noah Berger, I was able to connect with his father, Martin Berger, joining me on relatively short notice to go through it. I appreciate you stepping in and taking us down memory lane with you. My pleasure to be here. We are basically going to go in chronological order here. What I wanted to start with was the end of the 1996 season, if you can put yourself in that mindset. So that was the fourth season of Marlins history, by a lot of standards, their best year. They were right around 500. They had some breakout individual stars like Kevin Brown. They had uh, Robin Nen was really great. Gary Sheffield was awesome that year. I'm wondering if, as a Marlins fan at that time, you could have seen 1997 coming based on how 1996 ended. How close did you feel the team was to being really a contender at that time? It, it, it was hard to say, and I, I, I'll tell you why no matter what we did or what we looked at, we had the big bad Braves hanging over our head. You know, you had Glavin, Smoltz, and Greg Maddox, you know, with, with that incredible lineup. Like, the Braves were a juggernaut. And although they ended up, I think, only winning one title during that stretch, you know, they, they were awesome. And they were always going to win the division. Now, the wild card was there, and I think we, we qualified as a wild card in, in 97. Yeah. Um, but we, we had no idea. And, again, we had younger players, and we – I think it was only our fourth or fifth year in existence, but we had brought in vet. I mean, Kevin Brown was a veteran. The guy was a stud. And Alex Fernandez, you remember, we had a lot of homegrown players that we all saw growing up, whether it was Charles Johnson at UM, Alex Fernandez. I mean, I remember coming home from college and going out to Mark Light Stadium where UM played just because Alex Fernandez was pitching and he had transferred over. I think he pitched a year at Miami Dade. I mean, he was just a legend by us. You know, Charles Johnson was a legend. UM baseball, although it's very good now, um, I mean, back then, UM was everything. Remember, we didn't have a lot of sports before the Marlins. We, you know, there were the Dolphins, and that was it. And then the Marlins and the Heat and the Panthers came on along. But, you know, we all we had was the University of Miami. So guys like Alex Hernandez and, and um, Charles Johnson, these, they were legends for us. So we really had an affinity for the team. And, of course, LeVon um you know with his background and and, and the, the community just ate him up so i mean we were excited about the year we loved the team but I mean, we didn't think you know we had no concept that we would be able to make it to the world series let alone win the world series a, a good amount of those players from 96 were big parts of 97 such as charles johnson and, and jeff conine and kevin brown of course 
I'm wondering if there was any particular acquisition that offseason. They'd spent some real money that offseason, both in free agency and bringing in some veterans via trade. If there was any one new acquisition between 96 and 97 that really got you believing that. I don't remember when Bobby Bonilla came. That was for 97. Yeah, that, that would qualify. For right. So, I mean, you know, I, I was a, a, an old time Mets fan. Um, you know, so, and, and a huge baseball fan. And when you got a guy like Bobby Bonilla, it sort of added a little, little gravitas to the team. It just added a little bit of, here's a proven smasher. You know, Jeff Conan, we all loved. I mean, obviously from day one, Conan was our guy and we loved CJ and he was great. And, you know, I think Darren Dalton may have even been on the team that year. Um, you had a lot of good guys. But when Bonilla came, it kind of gave you a sense of, somewhat of a legitimate lineup now maybe we're going to make some waves and and, and we're going to have some big boppers in there i don't know i i love bobby Bonilla. he you know he was just you know for me he was he was one of my favorite players of all time so i i thought he was a, an acquisition that sort of maybe pushed us into the realm where we got to right before getting into the actual 1997 season itself i was curious about any sort of background events at that time that you thought were interesting. Like, for example, if we talk about 2022, this is an extreme case, right? We still have COVID going on. We have a war in Ukraine, something like that. But in 97, is there anything else, whether it's a world event or maybe just your personal life that like gives you context as to what was happening at that time? You know, I don't, I don't. Okay. So, you know, your life sort of, you always have defining moments in your life. So I moved back to South Florida in 92. I graduated law school, came back in 92 and you know, immediately sort of got season tickets, right, with my brother. And I remember going to opening day and, you know, watching Charlie Huff pitch and realizing, you know, the stadium was just gross. I mean, it was not a baseball stadium by any stretch of the imagination. It was hocked up. It was, you know, a funny-looking scoreboard with seats behind it. I mean, we were playing in a football stadium. But it also, you know, it just gave us a little bit of a homey feel. I, I don't, you know, there's nothing in 97, 96 that stands out to me other than that's when I started to have all my children. Um, and, and, you know, and I do remember, um, you know, I had a grandfather who lived to be 96. And I remember it taking to him, taking him to games. I mean, he was very elderly at the time, but he had enough strength. So I do remember in those early seasons taking my grandfather to Marlins games and walking up that big spiral staircase to get up to the seats, you know, where we were in, 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 I guess it was Joe Robbie back then, who knows what it was called. So uh, other than that, just starting out, you know, sort of as a young professional with having kids. Um, but I don't remember any world events in 97 that sort of defined the time for me. Right. For people interested in this, for all the names the stadium went through, this was actually the transition from Joe Robbie to pro player. So pro player was the first year, 97, that they went to that. Uh, I hadn't known that until I went back and double checked. I'm sure it all blurs together. I, I still call it Joe Robbie today. I, you know, I, yeah. I guess it's hard rock now and I, that name is sort of sticking with me, but I still call it Joe Robbie. Now getting into the season itself in 97, eventually getting in as the wildcard team that year. If you look at it statistically, kind of Kevin Brown stands far and beyond as the most outstanding individual player. Looking back at it, all the innings that he pitched, six complete games, over 200 strikeouts, I think 16 wins that year. Uh, but I'm curious, if, from your memory, there were any any individual players that year that maybe surpassed your expectations or that you think were really crucial in order for them to get into the playoffs in the first well, place? Well, I'm glad you brought up Kevin Brown because I, I, I just – 
you know, I hear, I, you know, I listen to Noah and you guys talk about the all-time greats and you guys love making lists and talking, you know, and, and, and doing Marlins Jeopardy and I don't get any of those questions right. But when it comes to greatest pitchers and most accomplished, Kevin Brown was an absolute superstar. I mean, he, he was a shutdown pitcher for us in the truest sense of the word. I mean, yes, Alex Fernandez, when he stayed healthy, was was phenomenal. And, and, and we had other good arms on the staff. I'm trying to think who they were, but we had other good arms on the staff. I mean, obviously, Devon and, um, and, and you had Robbie Nen, who I think I, he was the first person I ever saw throw 100 miles an hour. And he used to have this little hitch in his step where he would start moving forward, step on the dirt again, and then move forward. I mean, and, and he was phenomenal. Um, but Kevin Brown was just, he, he was just, when we picked him up, I think it was from Texas, the Texas Rangers, he was just a stud of studs. I mean, let us, yeah, to have a successful season, and I, I don't need to tell any Barlins fan this now, you must have a stopper. You have to have a guy who's going to take a three-game losing streak and just shut it down. That's not going to be every time. But Kevin Brown was that for us. I mean, and he was phenomenal. And obviously, we all loved Alex and we love, you know, CJ. And we, you know, Robbie then just came in and threw faster than any of us had ever seen. And you had old Jim Leland who would just smoke every minute of the, you know, the day until he got into the dugout. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, and then you had gritty players like Council and Renteria. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a fun team. Um, yeah, they, I don't know. It was just, it was a great team to watch. It was a fun team to watch. These guys were so talented. I mean, Edgar Renteria played many, many years in this league. People don't realize how huge he was. I mean, you stood next to Edgar Renteria. The guy was just an – I mean, he was a, a huge physical specimen with so much skill, so much talent. Um, I mean, it was, it was again, it was a lot of fun to watch that team. We're speaking with Martin Berger here. He's lead off in our reflections on 1997 with fans who were there all the way for it. I'm wondering how you ingested that season – between watching games on TV, listening on the radio, going in person, how far away were you from what was Pro Player Stadium? So I lived down in Kendall at the time, but you know, we—I think I had—we had a half a season package, my brother and I. So I probably went to twenty or thirty games live that year. I um, mean, you know, part of going to games and having a season ticket package is you get to know the people around you. You know, you sort of develop a camaraderie with people around you and you get to know who they are and you get to see them and you nod your head when you see them again at the games. And, you know, you, you get to do all of those types of things. And, and we really had that. And I think as the season went along, I just remember my brothers and I starting to really, you know, communicate more like, I think we got a shot to maybe sneak in here and we may get to, we weren't going to catch the Braves. I just, I, I don't, I don't know the numbers about far away and none of us had any you know, inkling that we would be able to compete with the Braves because they were just a juggernaut. But, you know, to get into the playoffs for us was was fantastic. So, you, you you know, you watch the games. We watch them all on TV. You know, anytime you come home, and obviously it's still the case these days in my house with my son, the Marlins are always on somewhere. You, you're listening to the game. They're on there. You're watching it here. It's on every room in case he has to leave one room and go to the next room. It just, you know, and, and we're doing that with the season, you know, watching the Marlins and, 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 and watching the Mets as well. I love baseball, you know, and I can just have a game on and watch any game at any time just to watch the interaction between the play. I, you know, to me, I love baseball. So it was an exciting season. Right. I feel like I've heard this before, but I wanted confirmation about, you know, how people obsess over attendance at these games. And I think I've heard that early on that season, it was kind of typical Marlins crowd and it only 
towards the very end of the season, perhaps people started filling it up again. Was that your experience that 100%. the crowd exploded once it was? I don't know if it exploded. By the way, it took a lot to get it to explode. I mean, the Marlins just don't draw. I mean, this is Miami. Yeah. It, it's we just don't draw, and yeah, I mean, and, and you have to also understand that. I and, and this just makes the world a difference. It's a massive stadium. You know, it's set seventy three thousand people. And I don't care how much you cover up the stands and you put the tarps over them and all that stuff. It just looks like an empty stadium. It was not a baseball stadium. And obviously over the last 20 years, we, we've gone away from stadiums like Three River Stadium or Riverfront Stadium, you know, these giant uh, stadiums that were in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, which were just ba both baseball and football, like Oakland has right now, into more of these incredible-looking, beautiful parks that started with Camden Yards and, you know, sort of to give personality. So... But still, I mean, it, it was just an absolutely horrendous stadium. It wasn't a fun experience. It was a day game and you sat in the sun. You were just boiling. Um, it wasn't a great place to go to a game. But obviously when you're winning, right. um, people show up, especially when you get to the playoffs. Yeah, I guess there's a more romantic feeling about it when you're there for the wins versus anything else. Yes, of course. But again, you just it felt a little antiseptic, you know, in that stadium. And obviously you remember the World Series and the place was bananas and it was buzzing and you know, just like Marlin Stadium when you went to see the All Star game, you know, and you looked around you looked around like, Wow, this is what it's like to be actually filled in here, you know, people sitting in the upper decks. It, it gives a whole different vibe when you go and it's packed. And obviously when it's exciting when you're in the World Series. Of course, that whole World Series, it's, I wouldn't say tainted in hindsight, but it is awkward to look back on it, just knowing how quickly the players from that team were off that team after the 97 season end ended. We're not going to talk about the breaking up, breakup right. of that. What I'm wondering is uh, about owner Wayne Huizenga, and was there an understanding and an awareness from the fans that regardless, win or lose, that after the season they were going to cut back financially? No. No, we didn't know. It, it just, we never even considered that you would take a team that won the World Series. And by the way, he did it twice you know, right. with our Marlins. I, I mean, and, and dismember it and dismantle it. It was, you know, it was it was crushing. I mean, it's it's crushing to a fan to see that. I mean, and by the way, then it happened, really, you know, like I, I was so angry with the Marlins after they broke the team up again after we won again. And I, I just I swore up I'm never buying tickets from them again. And I didn't. And, you know, we then moved into the new stadium and we had all these great players. You had an outfield of Ozuna and Stan and Yelich. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get tickets again. I get tickets again and then look what happens again. The same thing. And I was just, I mean, like three times a franchise literally dismantles after having a product that can win a title. It was disgusting. I was not upset when I think it got rid of it. I mean, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Well, going back to 97, as we mentioned a couple of times, they made it in as the wild card. The Braves won the division again, and it actually wasn't even that close at the end yeah. of it, but right. Marlins get in the same way. And of course, they end up facing the Braves later in the playoffs. This was only the third postseason where they had the wild card in effect. It was actually the first time that a wild card team did anything once they got into the playoffs. And I'm right. wondering if at the time there was any sort of controversy about that or anybody trying to discount yeah. what they were doing just because yes. in the regular yeah. season. Yeah, the answer is yes, and, and, it, and, 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 you know, Bob Costas, right, the voice of baseball, and he was calling the World Series. 
had such an unbelievable disdain for the Florida Marlins, and it came out so clearly in his entire call of the World Series that we all just began to despise listening to it would listen to it on the radio. Even if you go back and you listen to Bob Costas's call of Renteria's hit, he literally is almost disappointed the Marlins won the World Series. A liner off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. You know, we were there, obviously, going bananas. But when you look back on it, I'm like, that's the call? You know, and he literally, he just, he was a traditionalist who didn't want the wild card in. He for sure didn't want a team with the wild card. There you go. Um, you know, for sure a team who, you know, won, qualified by the wild card to win the World Series. And he wanted the Indians, and he just made it very clear. So, yeah, there was a bias. I mean, it, there just was. People, you know, had never experienced it before. I can so, watch it a hundred times. Right. What I'm wondering is where were you when this hit happened? What do you remember? Were so, you awake? Base, because I know it was very late at night. On no, first baseline. Uh, you can probably see me right in that picture that you're showing right now. We had we were in the 20th or 21st row up, mm -hmm. um, just inside the first baseline. That's where our season tickets were. We got the tickets for the playoffs. Um, we didn't miss a playoff game. You know, went to the World Series games. And I was there with my brother. We were going absolutely, you know, bananas, you know, beyond bananas. It was, I've been to many sort of sports championship games in my life, um, never the Super Bowl, but this was like a highlight. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely, you know, we were going out of our minds. We were, we were really, it was incredible. And then the whole storyline behind the Indians and their lineup and the fact that, remember, this was before the Cubs. At that time in 97, you know, the Cubs, White Sox, and Indians hadn't won World Series in decades and decades and decades. So that was the storyline is which of the three is ever going to win a World Series? And obviously the Cubs were a joke. They're never going to win. The White Sox forget about it. And I went to school in Chicago. You know, it was just like both teams were never going to win the World Series. And then, of course, the Indians. There was the movie Major League, which came out years before, which kind of made a joke of the Indians. And it was like now the Indians, which had this massive lineup of huge ginormous hitters Manny Ramirez and Jim Tomei and you know David Justice and Matt Williams and Omar Vizquel like these guys were just it was like forget it we don't have a shot you know they're gonna just they oral Hershiser they, they're gonna just roll over us and we won you know so it was mm -hmm. really it was an interesting you know it was like everybody wanted everybody was everybody was rooting for the Indians I mean it was you know, unless you lived in my, you know, Florida or Miami, you weren't rooting for the Marlins. Everybody wanted the Indians to win. Everybody loved the Indians lineup. They were all fun players. And yeah, we ruined the party. So we got the last laugh. As we mentioned, they were such a young franchise at the time. This was only the fifth season in existence. And it's, right. I believe it's the record for quickest, at the time it was, the quickest to win World Series from the inception of the franchise. So it didn't really pay their dues. It didn't really. Uh, it, broken? <laughs> it has been broken by the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks got there one year quicker from 98 oh, to 2001. Right. So right, that, right, 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 right. but still, okay. uh, that. I can understand that national view of one franchise that just got here and another that was has been tormented, that had been waiting generations, and that had people that had right. gone so many years, and how Marlins fans may have been spoiled at the time, believe it or not, to get there so quickly. No, 100% that was the sentiment. Like, who are you guys? Did they, again, you know, people lived in Cleveland for 80 years and never saw a, a title. 
And who are we? We're a bunch of, you know, young guys. There's a franchise that's four years old. You're playing in a football stadium. You, you patch together a roster. This guy, you know, he's from Texas and he's from Pittsburgh and he's from New York. And, you know, right. You know, you, you look at the Yankees who had the core four and all those guys and everybody was like, oh, the Yankees built that team. In a sense, we did too. And, you know, Charles Johnson, but we got people from everywhere. You know, that was, uh, there were not so many, and I don't know the exact number, but how many guys were homegrown and came up through our minor league system other than CJ um, and maybe Levon. Um, Andrew Renteria was also. Brian Renteria, of course. Yeah. Right. I'm sure there were, I don't know the whole lineup, so I'm sure there, there are others that I'm not thinking of. But yeah, I mean, it was it was 100% people wanting, you know, Cleveland to win. It was not even, and, and I have to tell you something else. And I don't remember much from the NLCS other than the umpiring was so absolutely horrendous in our favor. Yep. You know, very famously, I think it was Eric Gregg who was the umpire for, there you go, for LeVon Hernandez. And he was calling pitches, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 3-2 pitch. Got him! Eric Gregg punches him out on what McGriff thought was ball four. It's his 15th. Like, guys were just going crazy. And I remember that people were just like, the Marlins just don't even deserve it. Like, the Braves weren't even given a fair shot. I do, although I think we won three, four games to two in the NLCS that That's year. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah, see, look at the stadium. You can already see the back. Everything was covered up, and they were, but it was just an ugly place. But, yeah, I, re I remember the NLCS, and it was, again, everyone was, no one wanted the Marlins. We shouldn't have been there. And, you know, everybody wanted Cleveland to win. That's it's great to have that validation that the umpiring was a story at the time because 25 years later, it's still a huge, like almost historic performance by the umpire by uh, by, by the yeah, by Greg to uh, make all those calls the way that he did. I yeah, see the highlights you. pop up uh, in front of my eyes every once in a while because it was just to have it happen in that moment. Of course, during the regular season, nobody remembers, but it's happened in a series. In favor of the underdog of the series was, right. yeah, it's up, with, it's up there with Don Denkinger when he made that horrific call, and I think it was the Kansas City St. Louis series at first base. Um, you know, you you make a bad call during the regular season, it's bad. You blow something up in the playoffs like that, and he was just, and then that was, I mean, you showed one pitch. I think he called ten of them like that. You know, it was just, the, I mean, the uh, you know the Braves were just standing there like this is just silly now, um, but. You know, that's what I'm saying. It goes in. It, it goes in both sides. Yeah, getting maybe a little bit of help to get past the mighty Braves. Oh no, year. we needed it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they needed it. They got it, and they got it done. Right, Mar Martin Berger. This has been really awesome reflection on absolutely my pleasure. Anytime. We are back with the official show. Another fan perspective of the 1997 World Series championship here on our podcast, keeping the focus back 25 years as the Marlins prepare to celebrate that team on the anniversary of their winning the World Series title this weekend at Lone Depot Park. So we have lined up here Fidel Prieto, who was an original Marlins season ticket holder back in South Florida, and he's going to walk us through his version of events and what it was like to be there at that time for the first championship in, in Marlins history. Thank you for taking the time, Fidel. Oh, Thank you, Eli. So it's a pleasure being here. Remember, to talk about the Marlins, you know, back then it was, it was like I told you, it was like um, back in uh, when I first started in '93. The excitement in South Florida for for the Marlins was unbelievable. They drew over three million people that first year. It was hard to even get tickets, 
and 94 was the same the same way and then unfortunately the strike happened in 94 and then you know after that things just started you know changing in the in the baseball in south florida the attendance went down and actually i was able to my first season tickets were in section 453 second row right behind all play up in the upper deck and then by the way i got a lot of foul balls up there it was uh, it was amazing and then the i was able to upgrade it to 13th row section 155 right behind uh third base dog out i basically faced the pitcher's mound um right there and then in 96 is uh, you know at the time uh Heisinger, you know was always he was always pushing for getting uh the marlins a championship i gotta give him credit for that he spent the money but he was also spending the money for to show that it's really uh baseball can be supported in south florida and when he first started, he was going to build his own stadium. Then that, you know, with Blockbuster Park and all that. And when he owned Blockbuster, then he sold Blockbuster. And then that went all down the, down the tubes. And then he started trying to uh, pursue the uh, county and the state to help him out, you know, build a baseball stadium somewhere in, in Miami, South Florida. And I remember in 96, he started the process of getting, you know, Kevin Brown, Al Leiter, Devon White, so building, you know, the team into a closer to be a, a championship contender and then 97 came along and he got Alex Fernandez um he brought in Moises Alou uh I'm trying to remember he brought in somebody else uh he brought in uh, Bobby Bonilla Bobby Bonilla yeah you know so they were really I mean going for it and, and, and they had a good set of young players you know they got Edgar Renteria Charles Johnson so key position Rob Nen, which they acquired in, um in a trade you know he had developed into a you know a uh, very good closer and so 97 was really I mean, the start of the season with the you know that money spent we were all excited you know about the upcoming season looking forward to hey maybe the marlins can you know finally battle the braves you know because the braves have controlled the, the the division for you know so many years and i remember the season i mean it started actually started pretty good the season went went pretty well and at the beginning of the year stuff like that i mean you know now uh they were not as close to the Braves as I, you know, and I, I think throughout the year, but, but at least you knew they were, I mean, up there, they, they had the wild card. So, you know, they had a chance to make the playoffs. Okay. And like I said, we, we, everybody was excited in South Florida. Attendance was picking up, not quite as what, what, what it was back in, um, at the beginning in 90, in 93, but it was picking up. And, and if you know, South Florida, um, you know, uh, baseball fans go to, you know, especially if you have a good team, especially on the weekends, if they only have baseball on the weekends in South Florida, you guys will probably lead the league or be close to an, an attendance. You know, it's those days, you know, during the week that it's a little bit harder to get to get people out there. But even then, they were getting, you know, uh, at least, uh, you know, decent crowds. But I'll never forget this. It was we were looking forward to the playing the Yankees in June. OK. And right before this, the, the, the series started, Heisinger made this comment that if they didn't, if he didn't get a, a new stadium built, you know, uh, finance by the end of the season that he was going to break up the team and he was probably going to sell the team. And we were like, it took, it deflated like a lot of the, uh, the hope. I mean, for myself, I know as a fan, mm -hmm. you hear you're looking for, you have a good team. You're looking forward to playing the Yankees in the series, you know, and this is what's coming out. It's like, okay. And, and you're thinking, well, you know, and, and really in your mind, you're thinking, well, we got to win the world series this year. Because if he win the World Series, he'll never be able to sell, you know, the players, you know. So that was like, you know, like the goal. And I remember uh, Jim Leland at the time it was uh, one heartbeat. That was the 
uh, spring training. That was the, uh, they, they had the, the slogan. Yeah. You know, and they, they put it all out, you know, like, uh, you know, big. And, and then they, you know, that was a big series with the Yankees. It was, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, and, and I mean, it drew unbelievable crowds, you know, and, um, and I mean, they kept, the Marlins kept, you know, going through the, um, they were in the wild cars, they were you know, ahead, but then come August, I remember August, even September, boy, they didn't play very well that, that, you know, that, that end of the season, their record, I know in September wasn't, wasn't that great. Yep. There were times, you know, when you thought, okay, you know, I know they had a, a lead, but the Mets were closing in and stuff like that. You know, you were not sure. But then they won some big games, you know, against Montreal, against the Phillies. And they finally um, were able to clinch. But I'll never remember. You know, it's like it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. Hey, I, I was like, you were happy because you're going to be in the playoffs, you know. And then for the first time, you get this strip from the Marlins, you know, because you got you had to buy, as a season ticket holder, you had to buy the whole – throughout the World Series, just as if, you know, you know, say, hey, if they don't make the World Series or they don't make the next round, well, you can ask for your money back or you can use it for your season tickets, you know, as a credit for your season tickets for um, the next season. I still have the piece of paper that has all, all the prizes and everything, you know, because I, I kept a lot of the stuff. Right. And um, I remember the first series started with the, with the Giants. I mean, it was like where everybody was excited. You know, they had um, – at that time, they didn't open the uh, the upper deck. I believe they had like 42,000, 43,000 people at you know, the game. The place was was crazy. The games were a lot of fun. I mean, you're, you know, the excitement and all, you know. And uh, it's like, it's like you know, you, you have to pinch yourself and saying, hey, I'm a Marlins fan, and here I am in the, you know, they're in the playoffs. You know, it's like you're, you're watching this. You know, it's like uh, it was just – it was unbelievable. The other thing is, like I keep forgetting is – they made some big trades in the middle of the season, like, you know, getting Dutch Dalton. I mean, he he became one of the, you know, the leaders on, on the team, you know. Greg Cancel. I mean, you know, he was fantastic. And 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 the thing is, you know, they had Castillo, but Castillo at the time was a young kid. And he he was, I think he only weighed like 145 pounds. I mean, he was like really, he still had not, you know, filled out completely. You know, you can tell he had talent, but, but it was like, you know, it's like they needed somebody – you know, so and Jim Eisenreich, I think John Cangelosi. I mean, they they went out and got teams, you know, made the, the depth on the team, which is what really I think helped them put them, you know, and when they got into the playoffs, it really helped them a lot. And then once they got past the Giants, you know, the next one was the big Braves. I mean, that was like, you know, like your 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 biggest rival, you know, here you're you're facing the Braves. And again, it's like I know the series started in, in Atlanta and then they came to, to South Florida. And I got I got I gotta say uh, in my whole life, I only missed one playoff game from the Marlins, and that was a LeBron Hernandez game. Oh, no. Well, I got to explain it to you, okay? It was my wife and I had gotten married a year before. Mm-hmm. So it was our anniversary. So guess who? I'm sorry, but, you know, some things you got to, you know, compromise. Yeah. So I remember I giving it to uh, the tickets to my boss, and, uh, you know, and uh, I remember we went to dinner somewhere in Coconut Grove, and walking by a TV and watching like the last few hours of the game, was like I said, oh, man, this is like this is a great game that I missed." But, but like I said, the the excitement, and then you know, after that, you know, they they went up, and then they, you know, they all you knew is like they needed one game, and you have Kevin Kevin Brown pitching in Atlanta, you know, Game Six. Okay, yeah. I was like, you know, Kevin Brown was like a, one of the better pitchers that the Marlins had at, you know, back in those in those in those days, and he really didn't didn't pitch that great in the playoffs you know yeah even in the world series i mean he gave you some good games but it wasn't 
like the dominant, you know, Kevin Brown that you've seen a pitcher, no hitter, you know, stuff like that. And uh, when, uh, you know, that game six, watching that on TV, when they, uh, you know, when they hit that ground ball up the middle and they got the last out and you're finally realizing you're going to the World Series. I mean, it's like, I mean, for me as a kid and like loving baseball to say, hey, I'm going to a World Series game, you know, it was just like uh, unbelievable. Right. I wanted I'll, to stop you right there before we get yeah. too far away from Levon because you are Cuban, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes. So, yeah, you know, what does that mean? Right in the middle of the season, getting called up and put in the rotation for a Cuban player to become that prominent part of this Marlins team for oh. you or for the rest of the community to see that? It was it was fantastic. I mean, and he had a, a big buzz going around him. You know, you know, not quite. I mean, back then, yeah, like Jose Fernandez. You know, years later. That was, I mean, Levon, you know, way at the beginning back then. I mean, he he gave him a big lift coming in. But I remember in the playoffs, he started a few games. But the only reason he – oh, he started was because Alex Fernandez got hurt. Right. Remember, Alex Fernandez got hurt right at, what, the first game against Atlanta, the second game? Yeah. When when he, he was out for the uh, series, he's like, okay, we lost probably our, you know, our best pitcher, our second best pitcher. And all of a sudden, how are we going to win this series? And it was Levon who stepped in and, and, and did that, you know, so – and then even I think even on a, on the, in the World Series, I don't remember did he start a game. I know he used, they used to combine them with Tony Son Tony Saunders at the time. I think it was Tony Saunders, and then they bring Levon in, so it's like a like a complete game. So it wasn't. And I know he won a couple of games that way, but I don't remember him starting. I know it was you know Kevin Brown, Al Leiter, Tony Saunders. So, but uh, yeah, Levon was like I said, it was like a he was like a hero. You know, I love you, Miami. You know. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, I was, uh, like I said, it, it was a, 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 a totally, a, you kind of wish you can bottle that time and bring it to today. You know, it's like, cause I always, I always felt that the, uh, base, you know, South Florida loves baseball and I wish that the, they could have taken advantage of when they won the world series to kind of kept the team to see what it had, what it will grow into as far as the fans, bringing in more fans and just, you know, keeping the process going. And you might have gotten a stadium, you know, by doing that, you know, you know, so, but it's, you know, Hey, like I said, that's uh water under the bridge. So now you gotta, you know, but like I said, that was, uh, yeah, Levon was like, uh, yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> he was like, what, not quite the same, but like having Dontrell and Cabrera step into in, in 2003, when they came up in, in May, you know, and the, the shot in the arm that they gave, you know, for the team, well, the same thing, Levon coming in, you know, from the, from the, from the minor leagues. So and really he was like the first true, you know, Cuban that was signed by the Marlins to, you know, to, uh, you know, to play in the team. So, right. but, uh, and, and then, like I said, I remember the, the world series, what, what a spectacle. I, my wife and I will go there early. We'll bring, uh, go and get food sandwiches or whatever park. And then we just walk around the whole stadium because they had things going on all the way around the stadium. It was like a, you know, it's a, it's like a big, uh, uh, if you ever been to one, I mean, it's like they make it like a, you know, things going on. So you, you just kind of baseball related things. They have interviews, you know, you see uh, uh, reporters that you, that you see on TV. You see, you know, baseball players, retired baseball players, baseball players are still playing. So it was really just uh, to walk around and just take take everything in. Then we will go back and um, set up a little table and have our food and just wait like a uh, 30 minutes before the game and then just walk in and, uh, you know, go to the games. But, uh, you know, game one, I mean, it was like, uh, you know, Kevin Brown, I remember, you know, uh, against Hershiser and, uh, you know, 
winning that, that, that first game, I was like, okay, we're up one nothing. Okay, we're off, you know, maybe we're off to a start. And if you remember, Al Leiter, that, that World Series, he did not pitch very well. And he had not pitched that good at all. So as the series moved along, I mean, it's like then they lost the second game and they went to Cleveland and they had the cold weather and they had all those wild games, crazy games going on, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it was, it really wasn't their pitching, it was their offense that, you know, helped them win all those, you know? And I think, like I said, between, you know, Chepfield, Bonilla, you know, Conine and, you know, Dalton, they had, I mean, they have depth. So they, they were able to score, you know, a lot of runs and, you know, then all of a sudden you're coming back to, uh, back to pro player stadium and they're out three games to two. And I was thinking, Hey, Kevin Brown's pitching Saturday night, you know, here we got a chance to, to win the series. And I remember was it the, uh, was it Chad or Ogia? 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 He was like, uh, he was an unknown. I mean, uh, and all of a sudden in that series, he turned out to be like, uh, like unbeatable. I mean, yeah. it's like, and I, I think that was the only time. I don't think after that he was, ever, you know, him and Jerry Wright. I always remember Jerry Wright, a young kid, you know, with an electric arm. You know, those two guys were for Cleveland were, you know, were, were, were amazing. But when we lost that game Saturday night, I tell you, it was, uh, it was deflating. But I got I you know, to be able to see, Pro Play Stadium, fully packed. I mean, all the way across, you know, throughout the whole stadium, center, all the way deep in center field, in the upper deck, and that crowd, and the, you know, it was just, uh, it's a feeling that I'll never forget. It was like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I, 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 I wish that uh, that that comes back to, you know, some point that fans, you know, flock out to, to the new stadium and, uh, and, and go to and go to the games because, uh, it was such a, I'll, I'll never forget that. That was, a um, unbelievable. And then we, so we get to game seven and Al Leiter starting and I was like, I'll be honest with you. And even everybody was talking back then, the confidence wasn't, you know, extremely high because they were going against Jerry, right. You know, and Al Leiter had not pitched. So you never knew what you're going to get, what you were going to get with, uh, Al Leiter. And you probably knew that, Jim Leland was going to, you know, he wasn't going to, if something started going wrong, he wasn't going to hang out, you know, too long. But Al Leiter pitched, pitched a great game. I mean, you know, I know that, you know, the Indians went ahead 2 nothing, and it's for a while it didn't look because Jerry Wright was, like, unbelievable. And I remember it was at the bottom of the seventh inning, you had Bobby Bowe coming up. He goes behind home play. He was talking to uh, one of the ex-players. I remember who was, but somebody. And then – he created that fastball and he made it two to one. It was like, oh my God, the whole place went nuts. Yeah. Went nuts. Okay. It was crazy. You know, it's like, hey, we're back in this game, you know. But still, you know, it's like two to one, you know, going to the bottom of the ninth inning. And I'll tell you, there was a uh, guys who pitch, you know, because sitting there, you're just like, you, you're, you're you're just a nervous wreck, you know, just thinking, you know, but you had, you know, Alfonseca pitch that, you know, in that game. You know, he, I think he pitched like a, a, a more than one inning. Um, Rob Nen came in, you know, early, and I know Jay Powell was the last one, you know, in the in the tenth inning, you know. So and Jay Powell pitched great throughout the the playoffs. So, so you're relying on all these guys that you you know it's like okay, you know, especially you know like Alfonseca. I mean, you know, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, you never knew what you you know what you were going to get. And uh, and like and then he got to the bottom of the ninth inning, and you know the when the uh, Moises Alou gets off, you know, gets a base hit, you know, started off and you know, gets to certain you got Craig Cancel and he he ripped that ball. When he first hit that ball, you you're thinking in the corner, double game winning Marlins are gonna, you know, 
win. And then when you see the right fielder going there and playing right there and just, uh, you know, quarterback, at least, hey, we tied the game. The place was going crazy. I mean, it was just I, I, unbelievable. It was like I said, it was like, uh, you know, I knew it was closer to uh, getting close to midnight at the time. And uh, at the time, my wife was actually – uh, six months pregnant with our son, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like, yeah. Yeah. but she wasn't going anywhere, so you know, but uh, and it's like just the tension, and then you got to the top of the 10th inning, and then it came to the bottom of the uh, was it 10th, bottom of the 10th, what when they won the 11th, 11th, yeah, 11th, okay. And you know, it started out with uh, was it Bobby Bonilla got on? I know he ended up going, yeah, to, that's right, he ended, he ended up going to third base, and I believe it was uh, like Devon White was up with one out and he hit a, like a ground ball and they got Bonilla out at, at, uh, at home plate, I, I believe. And, and, uh, he ended up where Renteria, um, council was ended up at third base. And then it was Renteria with, um, with two hours. And I think it was like, he had one strike. I don't remember. I don't remember it was Nagy pitching, you know? And when he hit, he hit that ball, I was like, cause it wasn't hit that hard, but you can see it, you know, just going over the he, pitcher's head. And then you're like, you're hoping there's nobody, playing behind second base and as you see it you know just diving into the uh, into the outfield oh my god everybody was jumping i mean i'm, not, I'm surprised i didn't faint you know from the, <laughs> the excitement screaming and uh, i have a video somewhere afterwards uh i had my uh, big vhs camera you know i was watching it like a, a few months ago but it's like video of the uh, players you know going around in the uh around the stadium you know and uh celebrating you know after that it was like uh like I said, it's a. It, 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 I'll, I'll never forget that feeling. It's like, it's like, uh, it's such a, a, a tremendous feeling that you know you hear your team won the World Series, and it was like, Game Seven, you know, in extra innings, you know. So, and I was, you always wonder why they, 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 the Marlins, Game Seven, the way they won doesn't get enough credit. It's one of the better games, you know, in in the World Series history because really it's exciting. You have a Game Seven and bottom of the eleventh inning, and you know. Yeah, it doesn't get any more dramatic than that. No, ever. no, no. It was like I said, and then, I mean, like I said, I, I we were there in the in the stadium probably until like one o'clock in the morning because there was stuff the celebration going on in the field and you know the players going around with their with their trophy, you know, and um, oh, it was it was like uh, like I said, I don't think many people left. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember. I remember the stadium still being you know when they were going through the celebrations. And people, some people had left, but it was still pretty full. So. I remember it's like that night, and I lived. I didn't live too far, uh, and I didn't get home until almost three o'clock in the morning. So I remember, <laughs> I remember that. You know, I couldn't sleep anyway, so it doesn't matter, you know. But and then they had the uh, the big celebration. They had a couple of days later, and I went to the one uh, they had at the, at the uh, Pro Player Stadium. They had a celebration with Gloria Stefan singing. All the players were there, and I was like, I had pictures of that. I mean, just uh, it, like I said, it was an unbelievable time, and. Uh, and I, but you know it's like it was as much as I enjoy that. One of the saddest days for me was opening day in 1998 when they went out there and they raised the flag because I, I was really had tears in my eyes because I knew that this team wasn't going to be able to to repeat you know to defend the title the way it should have been. So it kind of took away a lot you know from. I mean it won't take it will never take me the memories away, but it was just uh, I remember crying because it was just like a for me it was like I wish it would have. Uh, we could have seen how we could have built baseball in South Florida continue, you know, because it takes, it takes years. It takes, you know, generations. Like my son is like, you know, he was born in South Florida. I mean, he lives in New York now, but he's a big Marlins fan. Okay. 
he grew up going to the Marlins games, you know. And I mean, sometimes he blames me. Why? Why did I make him a Marlins fan? But you know, but he still, you know, he loves he loves the team. And I was like, uh, but that's how you had to build, you know, over the years. It takes years to build, you know. We're not the Yankees or you know, or the Red Sox or even you know the Cardinals who've been you know have that tradition for years. Right. But like I said, it's just that it's it, you know, in South Florida, we just gotten, you know, unfortunately, uh, the short end of the stick many times, and it's just. Anytime you get to the point where you start building up, something you know just gets thrown in there that that sets it back, you know, uh, a few years, and it's like you you kind of hope that is, I think is there, but it's just like uh, you know it's going to take it's going to take winning, and it's just consistent winning, and, and to show people that hey, you're going to want to keep some of these players, like you know now you have Jazz. I mean, here's a guy, you know, with all these other teams are signing the young players like Wanda Franco to long term contracts. Okay, here's a guy who's going to bring fans love, I'm going to bring fans, okay, this is your chance to actually do something to, you know, lock him up and you know, say, hey, he's going to be here for a long time. He's going to be the face of the Marlins, you know. So you need to start, you know, it's like, I know I suck, like, but I also understand baseball economics and Miami's not, you know, New York and it's only going to be a certain amount of money that's going to be available unless baseball, you know, changes that with the, uh, that's the one thing is like people talk about the NFL. Yeah, they have the, uh, they only play one one day a week. They had the the parody and the TV uh, contracts. There's no way you can have a team in Green Bay, you know, if you were baseball. Okay, it will never happen. Okay, but here in, in football, you have Green Bay, you got Buffalo. Okay, Indianapolis. Okay, why does it happen? Because they have the uh, the salary cap. All the all the teams just split the money, and it, it just you know it works. But if you have baseball with the Yankees, with the big and the Dodgers, with the big TV contracts. And all that, you know, all that stuff that comes in. And, yeah, the Marlins get a certain share, but they don't get, you know, it's not split, you know, evenly. So we'll see. Like I said, it's like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so excited about the 22 team. I think, uh, you know, I got to give them credit. They, they've spent money to make the team better. Right. Now, I mean, some of the players you haven't, you know, kind of uh, you know, done as well as we, we expected so far. But, you know, based on such a long season, it's, it's still early. I mean, it's just uh, – you know, it's like I said, I've always had the concerns with the bullpen, and I still do. But it's just, uh, you know, yeah. it's uh, that's the one thing is like, you know, being an early Marlins fan, we never had a problem with the bull. Brian Harvey the first year, okay, and then we had, you know, Rob Nen, you know, so we always had confidence, you know. And it seems like over the last few years, we we've, we've gotten away from that and try to hope, you know, that, that we get a young player that somebody steps up. And I think that's more, like, you know, goes around base, not everywhere, but and that, you know. It, it, it's almost, you know, where it is, they're very competitive, okay, right now. The thing they got to learn to do is how to win those games. That's really what the, they got to get them over, you know, good teams get to a certain point where they learn how to win those games. Instead of finding a way to lose, it's when the Marlins, if they ever come to this young team, comes to where they learn how to win those games and have enough confidence to say, hey, I know we're going to win those games. It will, it will turn around. But that's that's really the key. It's like, there's so, you know, I know, yeah, it's not perfect, but if you watch the team, the games are close. Yeah. But it's like, they find a way to lose. It's like, I said, you got to find a way to win. Learn how to win those games, you know? It's like, that's that's what, that's the difference between good teams and bad teams. They know how to win, okay? that's a, And this team is still learning how to do that. Maybe this win yesterday, you know, will help them, you know, get over the, over the you know, but it's still early. I mean, it's still early, and let's let's see, you know, let's see what happens over the next uh, the next few months. So, but yeah, entering their longest homestand of the season, 
uh, finally getting some rest after playing a couple weeks straight without an off day. I mean, in, in, at a time, if we go back to 97, you know, that was one of the early years when the wild card, the first wild card came in. And now yep. we're looking at a time where there's three wild cards in each league yep. uh, under the new playoff format, which means that you don't need to be perfect to get into the dance. And if you do learn how to win at the right time, if you reach the end of the year and you're in a position where the team is matured and the pieces all fit together, then all of a sudden you can be as competitive as anybody. You know, oh, yeah. Like start. I said, they have the talent. They have talent. I mean, that pitching staff they have, the starting pitching, okay, everybody in baseball wish they had, okay, half of what they have, okay? It's just like – it's like a – to me, it's like so – sometimes it's a waste because I know they put in so much pressure. They I wish they the offense somehow figure out a way to score runs early to put less pressure on the starting pitchers that they have to be so perfect, you know, and, you know. Or have like you know all these games that they had against uh, uh, where they they were down and then they come back and get within one run in the seventh right. inning and it's like the next two innings you don't do anything. That's really where you gotta learn how to. Okay, now we got here. Now in the eighth and ninth inning, we're gonna figure a way to win the game. You know, so that's uh, it'll happen. I think it will. But you know, and again, I, I'll tell every baseball fan down there. I live in Charlotte right now, North Carolina, so we don't have Major League Baseball. I have AAA and. Yeah, it's, 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 it's good going to Triple H. In fact, I went to see the Jacksonville was here a recently. Couple yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So, Max Ma Ma Mayor pitched uh, the game. I mean, he, he probably should be up, you know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's having the ability to go to a major league game is priceless. If you love baseball, I tell every South Florida fan, I said, the ability to you get in your car and go and drive to the game, I wish I had that opportunity. I said, okay. I mean, if I lived down there, I mean, I would not have uh, a full season tickets, but I would definitely get a 20 game package, you know, to go go to the games. And in fact, I'm planning, hopefully, uh, here the first weekend in June when they play the Giants, go down and uh, go to a game. And then my mama lives down there, so she's in a wheelchair, but she loves baseball, so we'll get the wheelchair, you know, sections right behind home play there, and she loves it, and uh, we'll bring it to the game and have you know go to, go to a couple of games. I just try, like I said, try to get. A couple of times so i get to go like five or six games a year you know that's about you know but like i said i wish i had the opportunity to get in my car every on a tuesday night or even on a wednesday night or on a friday night you know and just drive to the stadium and sit there and just you know enjoy major league baseball because it's such a it, it is different than triple a that's all i gotta say you know <laughs> it is i mean there's some good players and when you go to triple a you see good players and you know which ones are the good players you know and stuff like that but uh but it was like here last week i said when they were here it was like you know bladey was playing verdict was playing you know so it was uh so it's kind of it was, it was lou and diaz was playing you know so and you got a uh you know astudio playing third base you know and it's funny because he made a, a diving play to third base for the last out ground ball and he's running off and everybody's giving him a hard time and he's like uh you know I think they were, they were joking about it when he hit the ground, the whole thing was shaking, you know, <laughs> but, you know, he, he was like, you know, telling everybody, Hey, just leave me alone, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, and, uh, you kind of hope, I mean, that's, I know they got it built from within. I mean, they've done a great job of pitching, but it's, is the lack of developing good hitting. That's really going to, it's held them back a little bit. And, and the, you know, pandemic, you know, shutting down minor league baseball, that was bad for the Marlins. I mean, right. Development of all of those players. So, but if Blade and Burdick, I mean, that's you know, still the hope that they, you know, you know, Encarnacion this year is having a tremendous year in the in double A so far, you know. Right. So even Conine, he's like hitting 280, you know. So I mean, you know, 
maybe he's turning the corner. You never know, you know. So like, uh, there's always hope. That's one thing about minor leagues. There's always hope. So you know, you never know, you know. And everybody was talking about Yuri Perez, you know, at the beginning, but you know, he's still, he's only 19 years old. I mean, he's doing okay, but you know, he's 19 years old. So we'll see. Well, everybody should listen to Fidel. If you're in the area, if you have an opportunity to go to this 25th anniversary, these next few games in Miami, take take the opportunity to do so because about half the team is coming back for that celebration, pregame festivities. They're playing a, a softball game, an alumni softball yeah. game. That should be interesting with, with some, of the, some of the guys yeah. coming back. You, you, and, you know, it's, I love one thing. Is I have a picture of what uh, I posted it a couple of times. It's a Fan Fest 1998. And it just happened. Uh, they had the World Series trophy. And when I went to get the picture, the guy that was there was Craig Council. Mm-hmm. So I have a picture of Craig Council and the World Series trophy fan fest uh, uh, from 1990, So, <laughs> And Craig Council in town because he's managing the Brewers for that series. It's great how they line that up. So uh, this has been incredible, uh, Fidel. I mean, I just, time flies. We covered about, about, about half an hour on that. You had all those memories stored up. And I know people are going to greatly appreciate that perspective that you had from being at all those games. Thank you so much. For oh, coming on Eli, show. thank you for having me. I mean, I, I love talking Marlon. So that's, you know, and again, thank you to all you young guys. You guys are the ones that are, you know, take the torch and keep it, keep it moving. Myself as an older, you know, I enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, you guys, for all the information you guys put out there.